Hello, and welcome to the AgriFood Safety Produce Bites podcast, where we discuss all things produce safety and dive into the rules and regulations surrounding the Food Safety Modernization Act Produce Safety Rule. I'm Sarah Runkle. I'm a local produce safety coordinator with Carolina Farm Stewardship Association, and I work with small diversified farms across North and South Carolina to help them prepare for food safety audits and provide food safety education. Working on food safety issues since 2010 and participated in one of the first rounds of PSA pilot trainings. And I'm Steve Warshower. I am um, one of the original participants in the NSAC Food Safety Working Group that worked through FISMA and GAP and a decade of helping farms be ready to survive and thrive in a regulatory environment. And I also am a farmer, founded the first CSA in New Mexico in the mid 90s and work for a food co-op in Albuquerque and work in New Mexico with a very robust training collaborative group of nonprofits, food hubs, extension, and other food safety professionals. And I'm Phil Toko with Michigan State University Extension, based in Jackson, covering the entire state with respect to on-farm produce safety. So currently, growers are required to take a training that is recognized by the FDA as being satisfactory to meet a certain provision of the produce safety rule. The one training that is currently acceptable by FDA is the Produce Safety Alliance Grower Training or the PSA training. So it basically is a full day of an eight-hour PowerPoint that one person on the farm who's associated with the farm has to sit through. And they receive a certificate from the Association of Food and Drug Officials for attending. And once they have that, then if they're if the farm is inspected, the inspectors will ask to see the certificate, and then that will help get the have that farm meet that particular provision of the rule. On twelve twenty-two, at least yep. one supervisor or responsible party for your farm must have successfully completed food safety training at least equivalent to that received under standardized curriculum recognized as adequate by the Food and Drug Administration. The Produce Safety Alliance Grower Training is the FDA-approved standardized curriculum. So they the FDA never wanted to necessarily say that there was only one training. So within the provision, the FDA states that the training must meet FDA specifications or equivalent, and they say or equivalent in the rule. And so the nice thing about what the folks at Carolina Farm Stewardship and La Montanita and NSAC, the National Sustainable Ag Coalition, are doing is trying to put together the a, a training that would be equivalent to one that's accepted by FDA. And that FDA has reviewed. Correct. FDA's goal in the creation of these alliance based curriculums, like the Preventive Controls Alliance. Their goal was a uniform, standardized curriculum. Farms are sadly not so uniform or standardized, so there's a bit of a challenge there. We all knew that. FDA had to do what FDA had to do, and the Produce Alliance delivered. 
product is there, product is sound, product is encyclopedic in content and accurate. The equivalent part is, how do you meet that aspect, encyclopedic in content and accurate, while also going and, ex and doing other things perhaps as well? How do you differentiate now your... Okay. So remember the original Cornell self-assessment gap guide? It was a three-ring binder, about an inch and a half thick. It was basically written to the 1998 FDA guidance. But what it did was it allowed a farmer to go through on their own time and self-assess. Okay. 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 I think what we're aiming towards is something that has a balance between that kind of self-assessment risk level usefulness and darn good content. It's designed to be delivered in person. I feel on farm. There's no presentation slideshow. We have discussed developing a teaching toolkit that includes flip chart material for and other visual aids to go along with the workbook that all of the participants will have. And we're not going to like read the whole workbook in the training, but there's highlighted text in the workbook that as part of meeting the equivalency with FDA, we have to designate to them what material is going to be presented verbally, just like in the PSA training. It's like what's on the slide versus what's in the notes. And then there are activities integrated into each chapter. So some discussion-based, some actual hands-on activities. And some are done and, in breakouts to small groups, and some are yeah. done in large groups. And in terms of how long the training is going to take, that's something that we're going to sort out during the first couple of pilots. So we're scheduling the initial pilots. Our plan is to schedule them for a day and a half so that we have time to make sure we get through all of the material and get feedback from the participants. But the goal, I think, is to have it as a one-day training because we recognize that it's a burden for folks to travel and have to spend, stay overnight somewhere to receive a training or attend a training. I think, though, a lot of that can depend on time of year like and location. Like in, in Albuquerque, where we have a we have a the Rio Grande running through the middle of the city and a real resurgence of um, little little bits of irrigated farming, and almost year round, we could do a module a week mm -hmm. and have dozens of people and move from farm to farm. There, are, the the versatility. What we what we have to start with some degree of 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 assessment of how effective can we be in a day, and in yeah. in that assessment will tell us how important these other ways of presenting are. And we, well, we spend a fair amount of time discussing farmers don't want this, farmers don't want that. Well, we haven't asked enough farmers yet, and farmers are different in different locales and at different times of year. Yeah. Detroit's going to do stuff differently than Southwest Michigan is going to do stuff, mm. let alone the UP, eh? Yeah. We've come up with a, a, chap, a, a workbook design you know, a, a, that I think is really informative and farmer friendly cool. getting out of powerpoint could be our main selling point food safety training without powerpoint sign up here okay so let's let's back up what are some hallmarks of a good 
produce safety training? I, I think we all would agree that it teaches risk assessment and it provides accurate information on the current public health state of play. And it provides hints as to the evolving nature of that state of play. And it focuses on the human being in the right ways that are implementable and then documentable. I mean, we could start making general statements and then we zero in from those general statements to if your PSR covered, there are rec record requirements. If you're harmonized gap, there are record requirements. If you're good old gap gip, there are record requirements. Now we're getting to the gap, the, the gap little GAP between if it isn't documented, it didn't happen. And the reality, which is any good inspector or auditor is doing an awful lot of interviewing, no matter what the records show. Would you agree with that, Sarah? Yeah. And I think, you know, in terms of training delivery, it is really hard with this subject area to provide all of this content in a way that's digestible for a broad spectrum of people, right? It's just like a ton of information. And so I think, you know, we have done a good job of using like small diversified farm scale examples in the training and building in time for participants to think about how risk assessments and other risk management practices might apply to their particular situation. So it's not as broad. Um, and then being able to have it on a farm and utilize the farm as a real world example too, I think helps to reinforce the content. So I can tell a good training or, or an effective training, a, a, a solid produce safety training should contain both risk assessment how do I fit into the, the the overall sort of continuum of produce safety for particular things that are that are pertinent to the rule? And then where are the points that are likely going to change and evolve over time? Are those the three things that you think any and every produce safety training should have in it? I think so because and 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 it might not be only those three, but that's okay. a starting point. So I'm going to flip the script a little bit. We've talked about what makes for a good food safety training. What should growers look out for to know when they're getting a bad produce safety training? The problem is you don't know you've had a bad training till you try and go back to the farm and use it. And it might be bad because of not because of the content, but simply because of the trainer or even a fantastic trainer had a bad day. I, I got in a car accident on my way to a training one time. I don't think I did a very good job that day. This, this is the reality of, you know, this is part of what we talk about. You know, who do you trust? Okay. Why do you trust them? That's also important. So, so these are the things that I think come together in adult education. And when we're doing adult education for the purpose of public health and business development. So, so the, unfortunately, I'm evading your question. We can probably do better than that, but I do think that's an important consideration that you may not really know till you get home and try to use it. So this is my question. What should you do if you realize the food safety training you just took didn't get you where you wanted to be? What should you do? Do you just check the box and say, well, at least I'm covered? And frankly, if you're, if you're good enough to know 
If as a farmer, you're able to go home and recognize that the training you just got didn't help you much, that's a success. For sure. Because you know you, you're starting to feel like you're in that culture of food safety genre finally. So you will then start looking for what you missed. Right, which is a good opportunity to have an OFRR or have someone come out and help you with, you know, if you're going for a gap audit. I do think, though, that with this training, because it is targeted more to small, diversified, and that's where we see a lot of beginning farmers, that providing a training that reinforces the idea that food safety is integral to all aspects of farm activities, that it's not an afterthought, <laughs> which is sometimes where people come in to food safety training, right? Is that they're like, oh, I got to check this box. I've like been working on all these other production areas and now I've got to do this food safety stuff. But really, I mean, I like to remind folks that they should be looking at their farm through a food safety lens at all times, right? right. And so right. being able to reinforce that through a scale appropriate training, I think is yeah. really helpful. We, I would say we will believe that what we're providing sends, folk home, sends people home with more actionable, doable steps than a typical training. I think that's what we're going to hang our hat on. We send you home ready to get to work and not, not in a way that undermines what you're already doing well, quite the opposite, in a way that builds on your strengths and addresses your weaknesses. And that's scale appropriate. That's matching Right. And I think the thing we were on the lookout for, and a lot of us were concerned about in early FISMA days, even with Harmonized Gap as well, are we are we segmenting farming into a point where we're going to have animal farms, animal, uh, are we going to have diverse farms? Because we, we tend to think in the sustainable ag world that, and regenerative ag world, that sustainable farms are more diverse. They're not only blueberries. Or only plants. Or only plants. There you go. Right. The so some of this it is what's your vision for your farm? If if you are a specialized produce farmer, you may not need you may need a different kind of training. If you're a blueberry operation and then you shut down and seasonal and that's all you do, you may need a different kind of training. It may be totally appropriate than what we've developed. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, so when do you think the equivalent training will become available to the general public? <laughs> I think we'll be piloting it this winter, don't you? Yeah, so we're going to hopefully have the review process done with FDA by the end of September. And of then 23. we're going to do... Mm -hmm. Okay. And then we're going to do three pilots. So we're, you're looking to pilot, pilot fall of 2023. Fall and winter. Yeah. Fall and winter of 2023. And then roll out the end of 2024? Part of our original deliverables were was to develop train the trainer process. So depending on how the pilots go, you know, the ultimate goal is to come out of this grant cycle at least with at least a handful of trainers on the curriculum around the country. Where it goes from there is somewhat dependent on further funding. Okay. The thing I'm excited about is inspectional readiness. 
Um, mm -hmm. what, what we'd like, what we'd like to know from farmers at the end is if you got a call from your department of ag saying we're scheduling a, a FISMA inspection. And so, so I think the thing we're leaning into is traceability and recall as being kind of the bridge between PSR and commerce. Right. And that ultimately you don't want your first experience with a regulator to be on a, um, incident uh follow-up yeah okay so we're, we're wanting to start those conversations where people understand that that uh being in a be, being all too often that farms were tied to outbreaks that we have responsibilities and that if we're ready for them our businesses come through in good shape and so what we would like folks to, we'd, we'd like to never hear again, food safety put me out of business. Because if you listen to your training and you do your job and you do, food safety is actually making you better. It's not putting you out of business. We want to see that narrative flip. Produce food safety, we're always learning. It is not a static world. So much so that even in preparing this podcast on training, how and what our focus is in training is also evolving. So just to show you all how dynamic food safety is, let's follow up with an addendum to the podcast that came about during the two months we were preparing to present this to you. We've been having ongoing, mainly Steve and Roland and Connor have been speaking with additional folks at FDA about the review and how this will be described to folks in terms of meeting equivalency. To me, you know, the, the, this, this alternative versus equivalent and the, the 2019 draft final guidance, that's their new Bible. Okay. So if our audience's trainers and organizations who are invested in small farmer success, they're going to want to know that alternatives out, equivalent is in. The the this is the link to the document that tells you the rules for equivalency. Okay. If you if you want to talk about that. The other thing that's news is PSR inspectors are making less emphasis on the training itself unless they find farms with significant problems. Then the training comes into question more. That's just, which is absurd. It's backwards. And I feel like the folks we train. We want them to embrace food safety as a long-term commitment, not as a check the box, get your certificate, go back to your day job and make somebody sick. And so we're pressing really hard to find out whether 50 different states and 30 tribes with 80 FISMAs are messing people up or are they all living by that? Unless your farm's a mess, we don't care what your training was. So what's happening is the training is being rendered irrelevant. They are not asking for certificates. It's Some not might ask, but it's not required. It's not required. The inspector may or may not ask for a certificate. Right. Correct. So yeah. we were hung up on our certificate. There is a de-emphasis or a change of focus around certification, around training. I think that's, that's a good message. The role of training in a successful farm has changed 
since FISMA was written? One could say, based on the feedback that we're getting, not only in our OFRRs, but in inspections, that one of the key deficiencies has been worker training. Not worker training records, but worker training. So that's not the, the sort of approved curriculum deficiency. That is once once the person who's who you know takes the bite of the, the big training and takes it back to the farm, that that information isn't getting relayed, isn't getting pushed into the farm workers. Which so I would see person, that as like information that can improve our training in potentially the form of an additional activity or like some supplemental information that focuses on how to effectively deliver food safety training to your workers. I think an activity-based focus on worker training could be really helpful. And I think, and Steve, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think where you were going with that follow-up information of going from farmers if they are having issues when it, when inspections happen that are attributed to training, not worker training, but like their supervisory level training, right? That would be great for us to know as curriculum designers trying to improve food safety adoption through this training, right? Where are they seeing issues with, with their training? When we started doing PSR, and developing the standardized curriculum, we weren't hardly even using the word culture of food safety yet. So we're now a decade behind the integrated food world. Um, FDA had a vision of something it called the National Integrated Food Safety Strategy. This thing was written in like 96. Right. Um, we are not incorporating produce training into that National Integrated Food Safety Strategy vision. We're just checking the box. And the place where we learn the most about how far off we are is in food defense and homeland security type of focuses on food. The kind of training we want our farmers to embrace gets, gets all the way to the farm worker with the, if you see something, say something type of thinking. But to, if, you, if you see something, say something, you've got to know what you're looking for. You've got to be empowered to talk about it and safe to do so. You've got to not be sent home for the day and lose a day's pay. You've got a bunch of culture shifts that have to happen. This is not a this is not a static topic. In no level is it static, and training itself isn't static. So this project has been going on since 2018, and over the years there have been a number of collaborators working on developing the curriculum. And we just want to make sure we acknowledge all of the different project partners and folks who have contributed to the curriculum. Those project partners include Carolina Farm Stewardship Association, Community Alliance, Family Farmers, the Wallace Center, National Farmers Union, Local Food Safety Collaborative, the New Mexico Farmers Marketing Association, and the National Sustainable Agriculture Coalition. Links to anything referenced in this episode are provided in our show notes, which can be accessed on the website at canr.msu.edu slash agrifood underscore safety. Thank you to everyone for listening. And don't forget to tune in next month for another episode of our Produce Bites podcast.